The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, and welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and today I have my friend, Juliana Margulies, who is just in a conversation about parenting during the pandemic. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Healthy Nest. Go to www.healthynesting.com for diapers, wipes, and cleaning products that are so thoughtful to the environment and to your child's health. You will love them and feel really good about them. I love that doctor. Um, Polly Young Eisendrath. Polly Young. Oh boy, she's great. She was the one that I wanted you and Keith to meet that came in to do, because she does this couples thing. Yeah. Oh, she's the one. Okay. Because I thought Keith would love her too. Yeah. But she's so cool. And then the pandemic started. So that was the last time anybody was getting together. I was like, oh my God, she's in her 70s. And I had her coming to New York City. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know. But she's amazing. And she did another episode like in October called The Self-Esteem Trap. Oh, is it, uh, is it in the recordings? It's in the recordings. Has it aired? Yes. Oh, okay. I'll find it. And it's all about her. She wrote this book many years ago before a lot of other people started talking about this, but I think it's because she's Buddhist and Jungian and she comes from so many different backgrounds, but she's also a psychologist and a scientist. So she has many layers of training and, and she's not like a weirdo. She's a brilliant, she's brilliant. She's so calm. She is so she calm. That we're so relevant to everything. Like it stopped, it, it made me change. The next, like the next day after listening to it, I was like, oh, I thought being structured during this time, because I am a person who likes structure and I think it's really good for children to yeah. have structure I was, you know, up, let's get up in the morning, breakfast, make bed, you know, get dressed, brush teeth, and then go to school in the dining room, right? Which is our classroom right now. Thinking like structure was good. And there are good things to that for sure. Like it's good to know what you're doing. And then the pollen hit and Kieran's so allergic to pollen and he hadn't had a good night's sleep and his classes didn't start till 930 uh, the other day. So I let him sleep until 8.30 and then he woke up and said, oh my God, it's 8.30. And he had a leisurely breakfast and he was like, mom, I'm supposed to be at school. I was like, so go in your pajamas. It's okay. <laughs> like I never do, you know, I'm always like, get up, wash your face. Da, da, da. And it was fun for, suddenly it was, ooh, I get to go in my pajamas. It suddenly made the day exciting. What did she say that made that come to you? So. She said, these are not normal times and things like structure and putting that on yourself and your children can have the opposite effect that it does in the real normal world. And sometimes just go easy on yourself, go easy on your kids. And what I loved what she said was, we can't say to our children, I know what you're going through, or this happened to me too because we haven't gone through this yet. So this is new for us, which was a great reminder for me to say, oh, 
I can't be that parent that knows all the answers, that has all the answers, and that it's okay to say, I don't know. Right. But let's try and get through it together. And what would make you feel good right now? And how can I help you? Rather than if you do this, this, and this, believe me, I've done this before, as we do as parents, right? We right, say right. that all the time. We have our wisdom to impart. Right. We don't in this time. And as much as I'm trying to stay calm and be that parent figure that he can feel comfort, take comfort in. And thank God, you know, I'm married to someone who is very calm. (laughs) But the truth is, shockingly, his work life has gotten, it's been crazy. So he's kind of you know, he, and he's very structured. He needs that. He gets up really early and works out before the rest of us are up and has his breakfast and, and is on zoom because his business is in London and he's used to, right. He's used to this anyway. So he's used to this. And so he sort of goes into his, his office and does his thing. And I get Kieran set up for school and blah, blah. So I thought I was doing a really good thing. Like breakfast and make bed and blah, blah, blah. And we do usually do that. And I do know that that makes him feel, he likes waking up knowing what he's supposed to be doing, but he loves a free day. That's why he loves weekends when we're in the normal world. We don't have, you know, I always say like Saturday morning should be luxurious, do what you want to do. But, you know, I have an only child. So something that she said that really hit me that Dr. Young said You know what I'm realizing as you were talking about her? So you could just say this again, but say it's Dr. Luther. It was Sunia Luther. She was my old advisor. Young was, I think you'd love her too, but she was last week's episode. Polly Young. Polly Young has in draft, but the woman that you were quoting is Sunia Luther. I'm mixing them up together. I can't believe you listened to both episodes. all the time. I listen to your podcast all, whenever I go for a run. But the problem is, you know, there's only so many podcasts. So I listened <laughs> to Dr. Luther last week and Dr. Young this week. Oh my God, I love you. But what I loved about what Dr. Young said, that's right. Dr. Luther said, sorry, I love your podcast. So I listened to it. And I think it's really helpful for parents. Honestly, I do. What Dr. Young said was children um, need to interact with strangers. I thought that's what you were thinking. I, at first, there was something about yeah. that that made me think of you. I don't know why. No, well, I never thought of that. I never thought like we define ourselves not just within our families and our close friendships, but with how we interact with the outside world. And when the outside world is no longer available for that interaction, who are we? And you're unencumbered in those interactions, although you're a little bit more. I guess, but well, I'm still. Always, I'm always so amazed. So my son loves, you know, we're, we're New York City people and he loves talking to cab drivers. He loves talking to people on the subway. Every day when he goes to school and waits for the school bus, he has a conversation with the doorman. These are outside. And that's what Dr. Young was talking about. Yeah. Was they, they define these young people when we're not around, right? So I don't see all the time, what his conversations are. He has his own relationships with people that I don't know about that are also adults, but children too. And so when, when you're stuck in, a, in quarantine with your child and you only have one, right? So he's not interacting with another person 
around it's his knee. Just you guys. It's just us. And already, I think in a dynamic where it's two parents to one child, there's probably too much attention on that one child anyway. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get away with what my sisters got away with. And I, cause there were three of us right. and we had a single mother and she <laughs> was like barely getting by, you know, barely hanging on. And we just slid under the radar. You know, we weren't, not everything was under a microscope the way it is with uh, an, an only child with two parents who are now home all the time. And so, super structured and aware of what's right. happening. And we're, we're both A-types. Yeah, that's Keith what I- <laughs> are like, let's I mean, get everything done. You know what I mean? So, yes, I do. And Kieran is, our son is not A-type. He's not at all. And so what's been interesting about listening to, you know, psychologists talk about child development, which is what I need right now, because I don't have the stranger to talk to either. I don't have another mother just to even acknowledge. Like I remember walking down the street in New York City when Kieran was four years old and pretty much every word out of his mouth was poop. (laughs) They go through that poop phase. Poop is so funny. And this woman just turned around. She was ahead of us and she had her daughter in her holding her hand and she turned around. She goes, let me guess four. Uh, Yes. And we just had this moment of acknowledgement, like, oh my God, these four-year-olds are so funny. And I was so happy that this woman I didn't even know understood that my kid was, you know, was four years old and poop is what they talk about that, you know, that she could understand that. And it was this moment where two mothers could just nod on the street. Well, we don't have that now, right? We're in quarantine. So you don't have the outside structure to hold the inside structure. Yeah. You know, and that's, so when I heard Dr. Young talking about that children who are seeing people with masks on and facial recognition, like what, so now what do we look for? Do we look for body language? It's so crazy. It's crazy. Like what, what's fearful? What's to be feared? What's to, to be safe? Where's your net? Yeah. How do you even get, like I was thinking about, I don't even know if, I think Polly and I talked about this, but like when you're a little baby and you're walking around or a toddler, the delight that people have when they see you, that they show on their face, nobody even has to say anything, but you just walk through the world and you get feedback constantly, just delight. It's, it's gone. You can't, you have to find other ways to get it. I keep forgetting if I pass anyone when I'm wearing a mask to, to say, hello. Like I always smile, but I never actually say anything. It's very hard to remember those small things. So I imagine with kids, it's just, it's a whole new language to learn. Yeah. And I think it can be overwhelming. I mean, there's two parts to it, right? So, and, and I'm trying to navigate both parts, which is the one part of this quarantine with a child for me is that for the first seven years of my kid's life, basically I was gone. I was on a show where I worked 14 hours a day, five days a week. And on weekends, I was exhausted, but I was showing up for him because I felt so guilty for being away all the time that I was doing way too much. You know, I should have been like maybe getting some sleep and some rest. But so, and, and my son's first sentence was mama tired because I was always tired. I was exhausted, right? You can't like, work like that and then come home and try and be superwoman and cook dinners and shop and blah, 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 without it showing 
your children know, you know, they see they're so, they're so pure. And now (laughs) cut to I'm home all the time. I'm cooking dinner every night. And there are moments like, and so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the time we have. Cause I also know, and I try to say this to Kieran, I stretch my arms out really wide and, and I go from fingertip to fingertip. This is your life. This is how long it is. This pandemic is this much of your life. And I, you know, it's like a little quarter inch of the finger and then you have your whole life. So this is all it is. And because we, the future is unknown and everything's uncertain right now, it feels scary, but we're all going to look back on this. And we talk about that. I say, I wonder what you're going to tell your, if you have, if you choose to have children or what are you going to tell your kids or, you know, people younger than you when you're my age, what this time was like. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, it's kind of great. I go to school for four hours a day. <laughs> like, there's a side that he loves about it. He's like, you're home all the time. You cook great food every night. He's like, I kind of feel spoiled. We are, and because I said to him from the get-go, we are so lucky, right? No one's sick and we have a roof over our heads and we have food on the table. And so I want him to understand how, I want him to have gratitude. Gratitude is very important to me. And I want him, one of the words we always use in our, in our house is mindfulness, right? Be mindful. And there have been moments where I feel overwhelmed. You know, I feel like I'm doing all the laundry, I'm cleaning, I'm vacuuming. I'm, it's like, it's just nonstop. And I'm the only one um, because we adhere to the rules. And I think they're very important that goes to the grocery store. And I go once a week and I do a huge shop. And then I come home and I wipe everything down on the, you know, although I hear now we don't have to do that, but I wipe everything down. I mean, shopping takes me four hours just to get grocery store and back. And sometimes I get overwhelmed and I can feel my temper coming up. And so I started to go on these runs. I'm luckily we're up in the country and I can go on a run without a mask on because there's no one here. (laughs) And I said to Kieran the other day, because he, he said, mom, I feel like he got frustrated with the Zoom wasn't working at school and he just hadn't had a great day and it was frustrating to be learning online and not seeing his friends. And he said, I want to hit something. And I have a kid who's the gentlest, like he's the most empathetic little boy. And I said to him, Kieran, absolutely. I get it. And honestly, this is from listening to your podcast, Eliza, because we have to allow them to be where they're at and not assume they should be somewhere else in their, I think, in their, in what they're feeling, because this is extreme times and they're little. I mean, my kid's 12, but he, you know, he's also in that awkward stage where his feet are too big and his, you know, puberty's happening and he, he just it's a lot. And he said, why? He said, I've never wanted to hit anything. I want to hit things. And I said, I get it. We're lucky enough to be in the country, go outside, get a stick and whack a tree, like do it. The last time I went to the city, cause I go every two weeks to get our mail and check on our apartment. I brought his boxing gloves up. Oh, that's great. And I, yeah. And I said here, and he goes, but I'm not going to think in that. I'm not going to think quick enough to put them on. I just want to hit. And I said, then just run out and scream, scream it out, get it out. I get it this is frustrating. 
And what's been so interesting is the second I told him I get it and that I understand that frustration, because I said to him, why do you think I, I go out and do my, my long walk? I call them walk runs. It depends on how I'm feeling, whether I run the six miles or walk the six miles. And he goes to get away from everybody. And I said, wow. Yeah, I do. I said, it makes me better for you and dad. If I feel like I've had my own time and if I can run and get my eyes out because I feel frustrated too. And then I come home and I feel better. And so he's like, so you're saying I could just walk outside and scream. I said, as loud as you want. I'm right here. I'll shut the door. Go have a scream. Since I've given him permission to not be a perfect child, he hasn't needed it. And, and when he has, he's walk, you know, walked outside and just done it and come back in and we're like, I feel better. But to allow our children not to be the people we expect them to be and to take that, just stop. Because I'm, I was listening to an NPR, I don't know who it was, but it was a psychologist. And she said, she was like, now is not the time to write that novel you always want. That's right. <laughs> and I was like, oh God. Right. Because I think I'm supposed to be doing everything. Getting so much done because now you have downtime or something. First of all, you have zero downtime because I know that you're doing all the things. You're not saying that you're doing all of those things. You're actually doing all of those things <laughs> all the time. And I feel like you do, you always do those things anyway up there. Um, like every bit of the cooking and the cleaning and the dealing. But also we're operating from an incomplete deck basically because we're we have our stress brains on. So when you are in like a threatened state, you're not writing a novel. It's like, just get through it. Right. Even if it's pleasant, even if, you know, because I have the same feelings of, there are many parts of this that I want to take from and never forget and keep in my life. Hi guys, my name is Sarah Nicole and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays, subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the birds with Fire on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. I'm lucky because I don't see my husband all day long. Um, <laughs> I've been, do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I yes, think yes, it just sounded funny. he goes and he works. So yeah. at one of the things that is really important to us is that at whenever, you know, seven o'clock or whatever, we have dinner together and we talk about our day and I have stopped being a micromanaging mom. Like I let him do his thing. I'm like, you know what? You're 12. Do what you think is right. And I say that to him all the time. What, what would you tell your 12 year old to do? If you feel like it's okay. You know, one of the things Dr. Young said, and we don't have Xbox up here. Thank God. And you know, we're so far in the boondocks that we don't have that much. Uh, we, we don't have all those games that, you know, she was saying, I don't know, car theft auto or whatever she oh, said. Oh, oh, grand theft auto. Grand theft auto, sorry. I don't know any of them. But she's like, it's okay for boys to play those games. Kieran doesn't have that, but he has something called Brawl Stars on his 
something on his iPad and we're very strict. I mean, my kid's 12 and he still doesn't have a phone. Yeah. By the way, Grand Theft Auto, I don't think Polly meant that one because it's super violent, but I think that there are really good ones. But she did say Grand Theft Auto. She said that. (laughs) She also lives in Vermont and would never be playing that game. (laughs) Okay. But one of the things was, yeah, you know what they're going to... And I've read a lot of op-eds in the New York Times that, that doctors have written that said, it is okay. Cause I'm so strict about screen time. Yeah. And so that was one of my biggest fears. You know, I have an only child or up in the boondocks and I have work to do and my husband has work to do and my kid get, he only goes to school from eight fifteen until one and then he's done. And then he has all these after school activities starting at four or whatever, but there's some time in there, you know? And the second I heard like, let go, it's not going to change who he is as a human being. He's going to be okay. And I started listening to him. I I said, you're be your own judge. You, I'm giving him credit to be his own judge. Mm -hmm. And I hear him talking to his friends. That's how he's connecting with his friends. He only plays when he can connect with his friends. That's how they're connecting. I'm thrilled. Yeah. And he's laughing and I hear him in the living room like, hey, Owen, blah, blah, blah. and he, I'm like, great, you know what? Have at it, enjoy. And he's happy. And then he comes to dinner and we sit down and I go, who are you playing with today? And we start talking about his friends as if he's seen them, which has been, instead of me like, get off that screen, which I'm sure so many parents are feeling because they're doing school online. Right. It's just, it feels like so much. It feels like a lot. And the other thing we did was we got him his own email account, which he had never had before. And I said, you can email your friends now. You can, he's like, well, well now I can play with, it. if you're letting me have screen time, not mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that I was taking that away from him when I said, you know, you only have so much screen time, whatever. I'm thrilled. And he seems fine. And there are moments I'm going to take away from this, which is I'll never get this time back with him, right? And I am a doer. So cooking dinner and feeding my family for me has been healing. I love it. I love finding a new recipe. I love like figuring something else out. And oh my God, I only go to the market once a week. What do I have in the fridge? And getting creative, it's helped me throw away all the what I'm supposed to do and just throw everything in the pan without a plan. Like, that's important. That's a great metaphor, actually. Oh. <laughs> okay. Just thinking about it. No, because you can't, I think that's what's happened to everybody. Is that a metaphor? Yeah. You, because you've said like, I don't have, I don't know exactly what the recipe is going to be, but here's what's left and we can't go to the store again right now. So we'll make something work. And I think that that's what everybody's had to operate under. And from that, you can find some incredible... I mean, not to push it, but delicious meals because yeah. we can't control things. And, and for some personalities and, and some families, it's a gift. And for some of the kids to just all of a sudden have to come up with their own plan for the day right. or their own way of connecting or, and we're forced to give them more space to, I do the same thing with mine. I'm like, we'll talk at the end of the day. Like, I'll see you later. You go to school, I'll go to work. And then they have to figure it out. I mean, obviously we're here if something goes wrong, but it does feel like a forced push into a little more autonomy. And it's it's been a little bit, a little bit more responsibility, which I don't ever, 
every minute of Kieran's day when he's in school is accounted for, right? So, and he had to start, you know, we live way downtown and goes to school uptown. So he gets, he's on the bus at 7 a.m. every day in real life. And then it, he goes to school until three. And then he has after school stuff. He usually isn't home until six o'clock at night. And then he has homework. Suddenly that's all gone. But what he has instead is, he moseys downstairs, you know, school starts at 8.15. He moseys downstairs at 7.30. He's sleeping more, which he needs. You know, he's preteen. Yeah. And then he moseys into the dining room for school. And whenever he has a break, there I am in the kitchen. And he's like, hey, can I, and I always say, make whatever you want. Like he started making his own smoothies and it makes him feel good. You know, he suddenly has a little bit of responsibility that he never had before that we didn't have the luxury of giving them because they're out on the street. Right. And right. now they're home. You know what I mean? What are you going to, like, do you think you'll let him keep some of that when this is over? I, I, I will. I think it's so funny because the other morning he woke up and he came downstairs and he said, I'm just letting you know that in September when I go back to school, which by the way, I don't even know what's happening in September, but I just, whatever. Um, he said, I'll be taking the subway subway by myself. And I said, great. And I left it at that. And then I panicked and I thought, Oh my God. Right. So when we get back to real life, if we Mm. do, if we have subways still, I mean, it's all such a, but I didn't want to ruin, I didn't want to rain on his parade at that moment. I wanted him to have that. Bless Um, him for being so positive. Yeah. And that, and also for having that independence, because yeah. that was not what he was saying to me last year. Right. I'm thinking, oh, like, I'm thinking that's so positive of him to imagine that we're going to be back on the subway and back to school in September while our adult minds are going like, oh man, is that even going to happen? But also now he's not afraid to go on the subway alone and somehow being home and having more independence is giving him the idea that he can be out and take yeah. on more. Yeah. I think there, there, there's something to be said for allowing, I mean, I know it's easier to let them do what they want when you are home and they can just run in the door obviously and say, mom, I, I need your help. But, um, you know, and there's some, like, I'll, I'll say to him, listen, you choose your screen time wisely. As long as this is when he doesn't have homework. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as you're at least reading a book, at least 45 minutes of the day, that's all I ask you choose the timing. And as long as you're getting some sort of exercise, whether it's outside or whatever you want to do, as long as you're having some, some sort of physical exercise, the rest you choose, you make your schedule. Plus you guys have meals without screens. Sorry. Plus you guys don't have screens at mealtime. So there's time to exercise, time to read. You're like, I don't even process that. Some people also (laughs) have screens during mealtime. You mean they're looking at their phones while they're eating? Yeah, I love that. You're like, I, this does not compute. <laughs> no, but are you really? Yes, I think people watch shows or oh. look at phones. And I think I'm saying it's so wonderful to give him, you control how much, here are the parameters. Right. You know, right. you need to get exercise. You need to read, certainly not during mealtime. You don't even need to tell him that because that's not on the table. No, he, no, I mean, so, so, and, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say this. It is a little geeky, but I have to say every night when we have dinner, 
I light candles. We have conversation. And I said, I said, when all this started, I said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to meet in this dining room or kitchen or wherever we're eating once a day. And I want everyone to say one new thing they learned that day, whatever it is, it can be nothing. Um, I'm learning so much because I'm listening to all these podcasts when I go for my run. That's how I sort of, I just feel connected to people. And also it helps to hear other people going through what you're going through and Mm -hmm. all of that. And the truth is the news is so depressing to me that I noticed my blood pressure going up in the morning every time I was reading the paper before my day started. So I've decided to stop doing that. I want to stay informed. I listen to NPR at six o'clock at night while I'm making dinner. And that's it. We don't have the TV on ever. The only time we have TV on is when we all decide what to watch together as a family. And it's actually been really fun because I missed out on so much television just because of my work schedule that we're watching The Office together and he loves it. And it's great, like, you know, starting from season one. I want to, I've heard a couple of people said that that's so funny and the kids think it's so funny. And I'm like, how do they get that humor? But I guess... Oh, Kieran thinks that he's housed with laughter. Well, because the character... (laughs) The character, um, Michael Scott, that uh, Steve Carell plays, is so cringy uh, on so many levels. But when you look at it through, but he's also just looking for friendship. Right. Oh, so from a kid's perspective. From a kid's perspective to watch that. And Kieran was so funny because the other day at dinner, he said, which character do you think you would have been in the (laughs) office? Like, who are you most like? You know, and I was like, who am I most like in the office? And then, you know, dad, who are you most like? And we started talking about character traits and what makes us each, you know, who we are by our character and how we act and, you know, in the world. Just fun. Like, and they're half hour so, and there are no commercials on Netflix. So we can watch two together at night as something we do. Or the other thing is play game. You know, like we're playing games every night, which, which would I rather sit and read a book? you know, nine times out of 10, yes. Have I taught my son poker? 100%. (laughs) We play five card. (laughs) We do. We play poker. He like, I'm teaching him how to play poker. I'm teaching him how to play backgammon. You know, he, he plays chess, but that's hard to get him to do it because he feels like it's a school thing. Yeah. Um, and at night he's like, I just want to have fun. We play charades. Like I'm trying to at night make it a fun thing. And I think that's why, and it's not every night. It's probably four, three nights a week, you know, on weekends, whatever. But it is absolutely a highlight of the quarantine. Dinner together every night, discussing our day together. Uh, the other morning I came down and Keith was overwhelmed with work and Kieran was sitting there and Keith was actually including Kieran in this huge um, report that Keith had to write and Kieran was underlining, like was reading it. He would never get to do that because Keith's always at the office. So he's learning what his father does for a living. Then I've been recording this PBS documentary and, and it's really challenging, especially with noise and we live in an old farmhouse. So blah, blah, blah. And I say to Kieran, you know, and they sent me a mic and a, a whole thing. And he's like, okay, so what did you record today? And I show him the script. Normally I'd be in a recording booth and he'd be at school and we wouldn't be a part of each other's work life. Right. You know? So that, that's the silver lining, which I, I really want to stress to my son. 
yes, things are hard and things are difficult and you can express whatever you're feeling. I get it. But let's look at the silver lining too. You know, it has to be yin yang, right? And it's not all roses. And I've definitely lost my squash at times where I feel, um, <laughs> and, and, but you know what? I own it. And I, I said to Karen, I'm really sorry. I got mad. I think I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm probably doing too much. And sometimes I forget that I need a hug too. And that I need someone to think about me because all I do all day long is think about you and daddy and how to make sure I can make this run smoothly. And then I do too much. And then I get mad at one little thing and I'm sorry. And I think it's really, and that's what Dr. Young was saying. She was mm-hmm. like, it's okay to be mad. We're only human. Right. Because I, I feel terrible when I get angry. And I usually, I feel terrible afterwards, not while. Right. I never want to say anything I can't take back, you know? So usually that's why I go for these ridiculously long runs. I just have to get it out. And if I take care of me, then I can take care of him. And that's what, that's what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, she was saying when the plane's going down, you reach for your oxygen mask first. Otherwise you can't help your child. And instead of being selfless, which is, I think, kind of bullshit and to what end, it's a I have realized- It's a weird yeah, martyr mom thing. Martyr mom. No one wants to be around a martyr mom. Mm-mm. You know, like, and I realize, like, no, I, this is what I need and then I'll be better for you. And the other day I kind of left not knowing like, oh, who's going to make lunch and but. I had work in the morning and Kieran was still at school in the dining room and Keith was still in his office in the bedroom. And I was like, I'm going for my run because I know I'll, I'll be a better mom. I came back and the house was fine. Keith had to make Kieran a sandwich. And figured it out. And figured it out. And Kieran was back in school and the, everyone was fed. And guess what? I got to eat lunch alone because it was all done and it was heaven. <laughs> you know, so... They can do it on their own. Like mm-hmm. it's also helping me realize like I can let go. And if I don't take care of myself, I'll be nothing to them. And if they don't take care of themselves, they'll be nothing to me. It goes both ways. That's right. And they'll be nothing to themselves. Right. Like how are they? I think right. that's, that that's going to be another one of those, I mean, major silver linings from this. Yeah. And I guess that's what you have to sort of look at because- I think um, every time I read the news, I always think we can't get worse than we are and it get, just gets lower and lower yeah, and worse yeah. and worse. And so I know that if that's what I read first thing in the morning, that's the energy I'm putting out. And I think when you live in tight quarters together all the time, the energy you put out is palpable in every room of the house. Mm. I, I mean, so agree. I it so is. agree. Yeah. I know that when someone walks into the room and they're sullen, I'm, I'm immediately what happened? Are you mad at me? Are you, you know, I, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. I know when my kid's moody, I feel it, right? You feel the mood. I can be moody. So why would I start my day out already at a negative? Right. You'll get there at some point. <laughs> I'll get there at some point, but at least I'll be able to enjoy most of the day. And then I can be wide awake when I hear and inform myself of what's happening in the world. But I stop 
before I have dinner and go to bed because then I'm bringing it to bed with me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a, I'm a better person to my family, to my friends, to, to everything, because I've actually seen more of you on Zoom than I do in real life. Which is interesting. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, we, you and I have two friends. The four of us have dinner. We plan these dinners once every six months. We have basically every two weeks had a drink with our friends over Zoom. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it is true. Like those are moments that feed us and also it's easier to figure out. And we'll remember like, because when we do have those dinners, we say like, why aren't we doing this more often? But it's just- mm-hmm. But life, life gets in the way. And right now yeah. life has stopped, right? Yeah. So now, and these are those moments that are, and they they do fuel us. But I had to tell my kids, like, I'm having drinks right now with friends in the den, <laughs> right, right, on the computer. So you have to do something else, and that's their challenge to deal with. But it's so important, and you're yeah, right; it's, it's easier now. It's, I, I'm seeing more of you. No, yeah, but I, and I I really feel for people who who are stuck in, you know, apartments with three children and no, no way out, you know, I mean, I, I can't imagine having a, having a toddler. No, I mean, a lot of the moms in my groups that have toddlers have got, have done the groups via zoom in their like bathroom with the door closed. I'm just trying to get some space. And it's like, we had to shorten the times because there's no, they can't, you know, it's much harder when we're very lucky to have kids at an age when they, even if we don't realize it, they really can do so much for themselves. Oh my God. I mean, Kieran's, he gets his own breakfast in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, by the way, like when he's so glad you told me that I really was worried that because my kids do the same thing. Oh yeah. I was like, oh my God, she cooks him a gorgeous breakfast every morning. No, not at all. The deal is, and I said this to them both and they agreed the deal is, I, I mean, I, I do, um, you're going to hate me, but I do bake bread every day because it's very hard to find up here. Every day? Well, no, it depends how long the loaf lasts. Oh, but, right. But, but a lot. I found a very quick and easy way to make bread that they love, but mm. it comes in one of those loaves. So you have to slice it, right? And so I was in the morning slicing Kieran's bread. And then he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> you know, I can slice my own bread. And I was like, the, I, I was like, the knife is very sharp, Kieran. And I, so here's my thinking. I can't take you to a hospital. Of course. Right, right, right. I'm no emergency rooms right now. There's Sorry. no emergency rooms right now. And right. even if there are, I don't want you there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to risk it. Right. And so I said, show me how you're going to cut the bread. And now he cuts the bread and he's fine. It's fine. Like he gets it. He makes himself toast or he gets cereal. And then lunch is a sandwich. He can do it. He can make his own sandwich. He can make his own smoothie. And then I make dinner. And so that's given me a lot of, believe me, in the beginning, I was doing all three meals and I went, what am I doing? I'm a horrible person if I have to do this. So yeah, I mean, we sit together, you know, I have my coffee with him and whatever, but breakfast is not, except for weekends, then Mm -hmm. we're making pancakes or whatever, but no, I do not make him breakfast. I'm so relieved. Better. Yeah. I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to tell you, although I don't, I feel like this was such a, window into having a healthy quarantine experience. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this captured some of the ways to get through this in a mindful way. So there's another psychologist, Ed Tronic, who is a brilliant 
kind of father of the field. And he discovered, he's on the podcast recently, and he has a book coming out actually very soon on the power of discord. And he was the one who did the early experiments called this, they're very famous in developmental psychology. So are they really famous? I don't know, but they're called the still face experiments. Where The what, the what face? They're called the still face experiments. Oh, and still face. Yes. And basically many decades ago, he did this um, series of studies, having moms in the lab engage with their babies, their nine-month-olds, I believe, and then, you know, in a normal, playful, interactive way, and then just stop engaging and have like, kind of a, a still face and right. watched the babies react. And it was, it's, you can YouTube it. It's devastating to watch how important that kind of dyadic connection is. Yeah. So there's this moment where the baby keeps trying to get mom back and then finally gives up and gets upset. It's so heartbreaking, but what's extraordinary is how then he says, you know, now re-engage and the moms re-engage and the babies are back reconnected. And he did these studies, which sound, as I'm describing them, incredibly unethical, but they're not. I mean, he um, studied this in different kinds of ways over the years, but this was to look at, it was the beginning of what became looking at rupture and repair in relationships and how beautifully our children are able to repair and reconnect if we make sure to do it when we've had those moments of disconnection. And he looked at it and we're going in moments of connecting and disconnecting all the time in different ways with our loved ones. And in fact, if you don't disconnect, if you operate from a constant state of being fully present and fully connected, you get a kid who grows up and doesn't even know what to do with discord and doesn't, right. it's okay. Like yes. if, they get, if they have like a moment of anger, they think, or someone's angry at them, they think that's it. The, the relationship can't. It's over. Yeah. Right. So these are very important moments to have with our kids and then prepare to give them the resilience and the understanding that we're not going anywhere, even when we're really mad. Yeah. And to be able, what's, what's been really interesting for me. So I grew up with a very dramatic mother. Mom. My mom was really, it was all or nothing kind of at times. Mm -hmm. So you would think if someone, um, in my previous relationships before I got married, I would think if we had a huge fight, it was over. over. That's so heartbreaking. Right. Oh yeah. Like, and it was so devastating to me if someone was mad at me that I would, it was just crippling. What's great about, about this is we can get mad and we have nowhere to go. Right. You have to, you have to actually, right. You have to go full circle. And it's been really great, especially with me and Kieran, because during the day we're more interactive is just to be able to kind of get mad or get pissy and talk ourselves through it and come back the other way. Mm-hmm. And we're fine. Right. We're fine. And I think so much of me saying to Kieran, I get it. Get your yayas out. I feel the same way. Sometimes I just want to scream. Like the permission to be upset. Yeah. Permission to not be perfect. The permission to, to do 
the unthinkable, which is yell and scream and hit something, right? In my world, that's the unthinkable. Yeah. It's so important. My mom always used to say to me, I mean, she gave me so many great words of wisdom when I was pregnant. And one of the things she said was, you're going to get exhausted once the baby comes and nothing good comes out of exhaustion. So before you do anything you'll regret, just run into your room and punch your pillow. And I remember the time hearing her and being like, no, that would be you, mother, because you were always so dramatic. (laughs) And the truth is, when you are sleep deprived and you have a little baby, you are not your best self. No. And there's moments where you're looking at this little creature who is still crying and you fed them and they're dry and you just can't figure and you're so tired. Letting them sit in their crib for a minute to cry it out is okay while you go and punch a pillow. Yeah. Because I can guarantee you it beats punching something else. That's right. So just give yourself the opportunity to be angry, not at them in a harmful way. But that is, I think it's so important to walk away and never say something. You know, I do think that there are real words of wisdom from people. My mother just turned 85. And also as a person who is sort of reflecting on the people who were in my life who created the path I'm on, you start thinking about all the things your grandparents said, your parents said that you just sort of in one ear out the other when you're growing up, but then you become an adult and a parent yourself. And those are snippets of wisdom that will help you along the way when you really hear them. Yeah. You know, and you're too young to appreciate them when they're said originally, but later on, I really hope people can learn from their their ancestors, their parents, their grandparents, just little things. And I hear her all the time. I hear my grandfather, I hear my grandmother. My grandmother used to say this thing that none of us ever understood, which was T-O-O is too much hot. She used to say that all the time. Wait, say that again? She'd say T-O-O is too much. Oh. <laughs> and we'd all be like, what? And she'd say it all the time. And then it it hit me one day, like the word T-O-O means too much. So too much of anything is not good. Too much ice cream isn't good. You know, like break it down into layman's terms. Mm-hmm. Too much the martyr mom, too much laundry, too much. too much of anything is no good. Too much yelling, too much being nice, right? You can... And it just, it hit me in a, like the balance of yin yang is what makes us whole people. If we're just one thing, I don't want to be around someone who's just Zen all the time because I'm not going to feel like I've gotten in there. Right. right. If you are, you're just, you just don't know them that well, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But anyway, so that's, it's been a, it's been a real learning curve to sort of let go of all the things that I thought makes the world go round because the world isn't going around right now. The world is stopped and we have to adhere to that. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and rate. And I love any reviews or feedback. Please DM me on Instagram at Raising Good Humans podcast and wishing you all a wonderful week.